today, we meet a very, very inspiring man who was the first to walk both the North and South Poles. He is the founder of the 2041 Foundation, and this man, Robert Swan, has dedicated his life to the preservation of Antarctica and the planet. This is, you know, a complete first in history for us to be able to communicate from our ship back to the real world live by having a really good Wi-Fi connection, plenty of firepower, thanks to SES, to get our message back to the real world on what we're doing, why we're doing it, and challenge people to actually act and to make a difference in their own life. Coming up, how SES is helping a polar explorer live stream from his expedition across Antarctica. Welcome to Satellite Stories. I'm your host, Christina Smith-Meyer. So I'm on YouTube right now and I'm watching Robert Swan's video from previous expeditions. Gosh, the white of the icebergs is so bright glaring in my eyes. And in one of these videos, I hear the sound of ice melting and that crunch. Gosh, as I watch them fall away into the ocean on the screen in front of me. I'm so amazed when I got it falling down and then it shot up. Yeah, I was I see penguins, I see animals. I've only ever known via films or documentaries here. We see where the great ice caps are melting. We see every year changes. We see more rocks exposed. We see whole areas where you say, hang on, can that be the same place we were at last year? Yeah, there's even one where they're all playing a game of rugby. Just a brisk start to the morning, the first game of rugby union football ever to be played in the Antarctic. The team that scores the most tries wins the game. Where John is... You know what, it's, it's hard to believe it's even part of the same planet. And for Robert Swan and his team, it's one of the many reasons they keep going back to Antarctica. Partly a curiosity, an obsession, maybe? What we do know is that science is telling us that we are making man-made changes here on Earth. This time they return in March 2022 with a more serious purpose. A purpose which caught the eye of our environmental, social and governance team a few months ago. And that purpose is called the 2041 Climate Force. So why 2041? Well... Because that's the year when the Antarctic Treaty comes up for renewal. And Robert believes the outcome of this decision will decide the fate of the last great wilderness on Earth. So why does a polar explorer need a company like SES, I hear you ask? Because Robert wants to show the world what's happening at the bottom of our planet. How climate change is impacting the land and sea in this area. And more importantly, why we should all care. Robert and his team have had some form of connectivity in the past while in Antarctica, but this will be the very first time that the expedition team will have enough reliable connectivity to live stream 
from the middle of nowhere in Antarctica. Share their stories, pictures, videos, and really, really important messages about climate change. I'm not going to lie, it's technically pretty challenging to get satellite coverage that far south, but alas, the wizards behind the SES magical know-how have found a way. So over the next two episodes of Satellite Stories, we'll meet some of the people making this pipe dream of an Antarctic livestream happen. Shortly, we'll hear from the main man himself, Robert Swan, about, well, a bit of everything he is and what he does, really. But first, I think we need to explain a little further about how SES came to be connected to this expedition and why environmental, social and corporate governance matters to us. To do this, let's meet Amber Ledgerwood, SES's senior manager focused on social and environmental impact. SES has always believed that making a difference is, is it's a core value of ours, and we do that through our products and services every day in reducing the digital divide and providing access to content. But um, a few years ago, we felt that we could do more to drive impact into each part of our business. And so we launched a renewed focus on environmental, social, and governance in late 2020. Um, so environmental, social, and governance is ESG. Uh, in early 2021, we joined the UN Global Compact, and we spent the bulk of 2021 doing external stakeholder outreach um, to really focus on how we can develop a strategy unique to SES for driving impact in environmental, social, and governance. The result of that is our new ESG strategy, and we focused on how we can harness the capacity of space to address the sustainable development challenges on Earth. We're focused on four pillars, um, space sustainability, climate action, diversity and inclusion, and critical human needs. And we've developed targets to advance our goals in each of those areas. Today, probably most of the focus of our conversation is going to be around climate action, where we're developing a net zero by no later than 2050 target, along with the developing science-based targets to go along with that. Brilliant. Thank you so much for taking us through that. So coming back to Robert Swan, what's going on there? How did we even connect with Robert Swan in the first place and get involved in this amazing um, ex expedition that's coming up in March? Yeah, last year while we were developing our strategy, uh, J.P. Hemingway got wind of this expedition through a contact of his, and he sent it over to the ESG team to, to look at. Um, we were immediately interested to see what we could do to support Robert's expedition with our connectivity services. Um, Robert has a bold mission to bring awareness to um, Antarctica and to, to saving Antarctica by 2041, and also by raising awareness of climate action and the importance of climate action uh, across the globe. And so we felt strongly that our connectivity services um, could help him share his story and take his story anywhere. And we also thought that it really played well into the importance of climate action for us and for us taking um, bold climate action. So we wanted to go on this journey with him, especially because we were starting our own ESG journey. So we really wanted to um, go along with him and and share our experiences along the way. So we're going to go with Robert Swan to Antarctica and we're going to do what exactly? What is the solution SES is going to provide down there? What's the setup going to look like? 
So SES is providing a connectivity solution to the Ocean Victory, which is the vessel that they will be using during the expedition. Normally, that um, that vessel gets a, an internet connectivity service, and we will be providing an additional connectivity for that vessel so that they can do live streams directly from Antarctica. Um, we've worked, we have worked closely with our partner Speedcast to provide additional capacity. And we're enabling the live streams during the course of the expedition. So members of the expedition are going to be able to share their experience with audiences that are following them. And uh, so we've said we are going with Robert Swan. Um, It doesn't include me, unfortunately. Does it include you? Who's going? No, it doesn't include me. I wish. We are sending Jez Draycott from SES. Um, he has been working really closely with Robert and with Speedcast on developing the technical solution. And he will be going down to ensure that everything works correctly on the vessel. And also so that he can share his experience back to our SES community um, and all of our stakeholders about his experience down there um, and the importance of Antarctica. That's really exciting. I really look forward to having a chat with Jez once he's back to see how it all went. Um, So for you, unfortunately, you're not going. But can you tell me why you personally feel like this is an important thing? I ask you not just on behalf of SES, but personally, this must feel like an incredible project to be part of. Yeah, you know, climate action to me is is really important both personally, but also for companies to take notice of, which is why we wanted to get involved. Um, I think that, you know, I have young kids and I want to leave the planet better than I found it. And I can do as much as I can personally, but where the real action is going to happen is when corporations and when um, society takes notice and, and we do things at scale. And so I think with SES taking bold climate action, that's the first step in driving our whole industry to do more. Um, and we're excited to kind of lead in that space. Um, I think that also it's important to respect our planet and to do what we can to raise awareness of this and to um, advance the, the, the goals of, of the international community to reach net zero by 2050. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, just a quick question, Amber. Where will our audience be able to check out the live feed from Robert Swan while he's in Antarctica? So our audience can get more information about the expedition and see the live feeds uh, through SES's social media channels. We'll be sharing updates along the way and giving you a lot more information about how the expedition is going. To find out more information about the 2041 Foundation, you can look at 2041foundation.org, and that's Robert's Foundation for Preserving Antarctica. I'm assuming you're going to be watching that live feed, right? Oh my gosh, I think that whole week I'm going to be glued to social media to see how things are going. We have some really cool um, initiatives where you're going to get to see live the landscape of Antarctica. You might get to see the penguins and the glaciers and all the the amazing scenery down there. So I'm really excited and I think I'll be um, watching along the way very closely. Well, with that, Amber, thank you very much for your time and giving us some deeper insights to the role SES is going to be playing in this upcoming expedition. And um, yeah, I'll be really looking forward to watching the live feed. Me too. Thanks for your time, Christina. Over the last 35 years, Robert Swan has guided more than 4,000 people to the polar regions. 
No other individual has a stronger record of success and experience in leading ventures in these remote parts of the world. So the chance for us to watch one of these expeditions from the comfort of our own homes? Well, it seems like a pretty special moment in history. It's time to find out what makes a man like Robert Tick. There's not much more for me to say in introducing him, really. So I'll hand over the baton and let Robert do that for himself. My name is Robert Swan, and many years ago, I was the first person in history to have walked to the North Pole and then the South Pole. And I'm really totally immersed in one simple mission, and that is to make sure in 19 years from now, in 2041, that our world has the sense to leave Antarctica, which we all own, no one owns it, leave it alone as a natural reserve land for science and peace. That's the mission. That's what takes up all of my time. So what first inspired you to become an explorer? Well, at at the age of 11, I saw a film about the real explorers who went to the North Pole and went to the South Pole the real people. I don't count myself as an explorer. I I genuinely believe that the last great exploration left on Earth is for us to survive on it. But all those years back, I was inspired not only by the people uh, who went to the pole, Scott, Amundsen, Shackleton, the real explorers, but I was also inspired by the place, this continent at the bottom of the world, the great white south. It, It just captured my imagination and actually it's never let me go. So take me back to then the first time you went to Antarctica. I mean why were you drawn to that part of the world specifically? Well I think it's the stories you know uh, there are places in this world there are companies in this world but this world is made up of people and I was fascinated by how these extraordinary people a hundred years ago were able to undertake these extraordinary, amazing journeys to the heart. And also this place, Antarctica, where there was no war, there were no people. It it just captured something deep down inside of me that here was this extraordinary last great wilderness left on Earth and I should go there. Wow. And not many people get to go to Antarctica. Um, I haven't been myself yet. Um, But can you describe it to me? Paint me a picture using your words. Well, Antarctica is the only place in the world that a film or a photograph does not do justice to. It's too big. So when you go to Antarctica, you stand there in just total awe that you're in a place that is much bigger than we are. And we have no no power over it. It, it, we're just sort of very small and irrelevant compared to Antarctica. It's the scale really that, that it's twice the size of Australia. You first see your iceberg coming up on the horizon, your first iceberg, and then you see the land and these huge mountains with giant glaciers pouring down between those mountains and the wildlife the whales the seals it's just really like going to another planet uh, entirely and 
it's a privilege to go there. And although I've been there possibly 70 times, I'm still excited every time I go because it's an honor, a privilege, and you see the power of the place. It's a very powerful, dangerous place. And if you forget that, you don't come back, uh, especially when you go to the middle of Antarctica, where I go. But also, it has a sense of fragility. It's a place that's on the edge, that if you make a mistake as a person, you can get injured. If you make a mistake as an animal, you, you won't come out. And you see already that climate change and the things that we're doing to our world have an effect on the wildlife in Antarctica because if you change something to something or somebody that lives on the edge, that can be dangerous. It's, it's an extraordinary place. It sounds like an absolute dream. Um, but I imagine that Antarctica, the, the Antarctica you saw for the very first time is, I imagine, very different to what it's like now. Can you tell us about how it's changed and why it may have changed so much? Well, the, 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 uh, there's two parts of Antarctica. One is the, the edge of Antarctica, where we'll be going very, very soon in a few weeks. But then there's the center of Antarctica, which is you know, about the size of the United States of America, and that's the polar plateau. And it's very high. It's very windy. The temperature falls to minus 40, even in summer. In the winter, it goes down to kind of minus 80. That's the, the heart of Antarctica. And that heart of Antarctica hasn't changed a huge amount in the time that I've been going there. It's the place we go to, the Antarctic Peninsula, that actually is one of the places on our planet that are showing more change than anywhere else on, in the world. I, I, I don't need to explain to your audience in detail, but you know, if you have a block of ice and it's zero degrees Celsius, then the ice is going to stay there. Plus half, it starts to melt. So it's a huge indicator of the fact that we are changing our climate um, at, at an alarming rate. So what we see in Antarctica <clears throat> on our voyages now are areas where you know, there used to be whole great ice shelves and they've gone. We see often an island appear and you go, well, what's that island doing there? And then you realize that that island five years ago was entirely covered by ice. You couldn't see the island and now it's exposed. So you see a lot of change, a huge amount of change. And as I say, you also see a change to some of the wildlife. You know, penguins are dying in Antarctica because they're confused by what's happening with ice shelves and different currents and all kinds of things. So, yeah, you see big change there. That's heartbreaking. Um, but you, you, you're, you're on a mission. You've, you've mentioned this 2041 mission. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Why is it important and why are you specifically getting young people involved? In the year 2041, the agreement, the moratorium, the protocol that makes Antarctica right now so I speak to you, a natural reserve, land for science and peace, no one can destroy, and it remains as the last great wilderness on our planet. In 2041, we, the world, could be stupid enough 
to start opening the doors to exploitation in Antarctica. So we are working extremely hard <clears throat> to inspire people to make sure that we do the right thing in 2041. And that starts with an awareness that that year is a crucial year for the preservation of Antarctica. I involve all kinds of different age groups to Antarctica, but, you know, a 15-year-old today, uh, much as it annoys them to think about it, you know, going to be 35 in 20 years' time. So I go for young people because they are absolutely the people who will decide in 19, 20 years' time on what we need to do as far as Antarctica. But that doesn't say that I don't, you know, want to inspire older people too. Um, so it's all, it's all hands to the pumps. When it comes to your mission and what you've been fighting for for so long, can you give me maybe a story of when you felt most humbled and maybe when you felt most proud? Well, I walked to the North and South Poles, to be honest, because of history. And I walked to the North and South Poles because as a young man, it seemed to go down rather well with girls at parties. You know, I, I didn't do all this stuff to end up being what, I'm, what I am today. And what humbled me hugely is that 30 odd years ago, when we walked to the South Pole, our faces began to blister. Huge lumps of skin came off our faces as we were walking. Uh, our eyes felt every morning like somebody was rubbing salt into our eyes and huge amounts of pain. And we didn't know why. But when we got home, we were told by NASA, Space Agency, that we had walked under a hole in the ozone layer, discovered while we were walking. And the ultraviolet rays had come through the hole, hit the ice, bounced back and, and damaged our faces and eyes. And that really humbled me to realize that, you know, it, it, looking after and surviving on this planet isn't somebody else's problem. It's our problem. And I think that that changed my life to try and especially be positive about issues. You know, I think it's really important that, that we all understand people aren't inspired by negative. They're, they're inspired by positive. So I think that I came out of that experience knowing that I should try and do something. And we've all tried to do something. We've got the 2041 mission. But where SES are just helping us hugely is to, is to get that message out in a whole different, new, live, fun, exciting, technologically brilliant way. Because I think that you have to use technology not be used by it. So we're really looking forward to heading south, really being positive, really being hopeful, and using that technology to make sure we have our mission squared away. And I can't thank Jez, Amber, and the team enough for making all this happen for us. And that brings me exactly to, to, to the next question I have for you, which is you have something planned in March, right? In a couple of weeks, you said that you're going to pack up and you're going to head out there again. Um, what are you going to be doing? What have you got planned exactly? Well, we're heading south uh, on March the 17th to Antarctica. 
And our mission this year is to celebrate the fact that, A, we're getting out and getting on. I think people are sick and tired of being stuck in a box, watching a screen. It's going to be a great moment for us all. We have 140 people from 38 different nations, uh, ranging from kind of 18-year-old uh, all the way up to my age, 65. So we've got a really good team on board that ship, and we head south to really do two things. One is to communicate our message back to the real world. Two is to give people some really good leadership skills because we need good leaders in our world. And lastly, to inspire people deep down inside that they come back and make sure they become part of the mission to preserve Antarctica. So we're really looking forward to doing that and can't wait actually to get out of this rather strange world that we live in at the moment and go and breathe some fresh air and really get refreshed by by the Antarctic continent. That sounds absolutely amazing. And um, as you mentioned, SES are going to be providing internet connectivity to you all um, down in Antarctica. Can you just explain sort of what the setup's going to be like? Are you guys going to be, you know, in the middle of nowhere or what, what's your plan there? Well, this is, you know, a complete first in history for us to be able to communicate from our ship back to the real world live or if the weather's bad, semi-live uh, by having a really good Wi-Fi connection, plenty of firepower and a jazz and Amber and the whole SES team have been working really, really hard to make sure we have that facility. For the first time, this is my, I don't know, 28th expedition I've been on a ship to Antarctica on, and this is the first time we have this facility, thanks to SES, to get our message back to the real world on what we're doing, why we're doing it, and challenge people. That's what's important. We like to challenge people to actually act and to make a difference in their own life. And, you know, in a world that is so full of immediacy and people selfies and you know, scrolling through things, life from Antarctica is still something that stops people. Like, what? These people are speaking to us live and behind them is an iceberg and a group of penguins. It's still got that magic and mystical quality that stops stops people and go wow that's amazing that's something what are these people doing what are they saying hey i might be able to do something about that no that sounds incredible i'm sure as i'm sure as hell going to be watching that um where but where can people watch it where exactly are you going to be broadcasting well <clears throat> we're going to be um obviously we have our own website and everything and we will be doing stuff on instagram and doing stuff on all of those social media platforms. But what we're trying to do is to make this really special. So we're, we're going to focus on events, uh, some of our sponsors. Obviously, SES will be uh, hosting a few things for us. So it's a mixture of social media platforms, and it's a mixture of going live to um, – conferences, groups, gatherings, government officials, whoever we can get to. Well, with that, Robert, I will let you go. But it has been such an honor and an amazing opportunity to chat with you today. Thank you so much. Well, take care. Good luck. And if you need 
anything else, give me a shout. What a fantastic opportunity to hear the aims and behind the scenes plans of this exciting trip. We're sending our best wishes to Robert and his team on their travels. And if you'd like to follow Robert's expedition across Antarctica, you can find out more at 2041foundation.org. Next time on Satellite Stories, we'll hear from the technical engineers after their return from Antarctica and how they made it happen and perhaps some of the challenges or amazing experiences they faced along the way. Do make sure you follow this series so you're notified the moment the next episode is published. And thank you all for listening. For more about what we do, visit ses.com.